0: Listeners and welcome to Monsters Advocate. Monsters Advocate is a bi-weekly podcast focused around the unsung heroes of myths and legends, the monsters. We'll take a look at some monster-centric myths and legends, some not-so-ancient cryptids, and everything in between, and try to sort out possible origin species, biological impetus for why they do what they do, and why we love to hear about them. Tiger, tiger, burning bright. In the forests of the night What immortal hand or eye could frame thy fearful symmetry? This is the opening stanza to William Blake's poem entitled The Tiger, and a question that humanity has been asking for thousands of years. What immortal hand or eye could shape the form of a creature that is as bold, as it is mysterious. Well, perhaps the same hand responsible for the shaping of another animal. Of much smaller size, but no smaller reputation. The fox and the tiger are predatory species that exist closely, sometimes uncomfortably closely, alongside humanity. Remaining tiger populations occur in areas with the highest human population density on the planet. Foxes have made themselves at home in our cities, to the point where urban fox populations have begun to exhibit distinctly altered behaviors compared to non-urban populations. So what do we make of these carnivores at our doorsteps? These monstrous doppelgangers of our own domesticated dogs and cats? This week, let's take a look at tigers and foxes, with an especial focus on the tiger's home turf of India and Asia. Just for fun, let's start with tigers first. Tigers are interesting mythologically because unlike many other big carnivores, there aren't a lot of tiger-based monsters. Unlike the lion, who has descendants like the manticore, the griffin, and the chimera the tiger has relatively few monstrous offspring. Instead, the tiger prefers to take a more direct approach. They appear in mythology as themselves, or themselves with occasional tweaks. Sometimes they have wings. Sometimes their coats are white. But often the tweak is that the tiger can take the form of a human or vice versa. The were-tiger occurs throughout Asia, and much like its cousin the werewolf, there are several explanations and causes. In Indonesia and Malaysia, it's a matter of inheritance, or spells and charms, or sometimes even willpower. However its power is gained, though, the were-tiger of Indonesia and Malaysia is of the human-turned-tiger variety, and it's actually a pretty considerate neighbor devoting the majority of their transformations to nighttime patrols of the village farms, protecting the crops from wild pigs. The were-tiger of this region only becomes dangerous if they are hungry, or if they've been slighted, as once the were-person is in tiger form, it's said that they are unable to recognize even friends, unless they call them by name. For the most part, though, that's a non-issue, as were-tigers only attack people if they have just cause to seek revenge against the person they are attacking, such as if that person refused to give a poor were-tiger alms. So if you have a were-tiger in your neighborhood, just remember to share. In India, were-tigers are generally much less considerate neighbors. Were-tigers are often human sorcerers who take tiger form to steal or kill other people's livestock. And many of them are not above eating a few people either. For were-tigers in Thailand, that is precisely how they became were. Any tiger that eats enough people is then capable of taking human form. After all, you are what you eat. China actually takes that sentiment to the next level with their were-tigers. In China, a person who has been eaten by a tiger can become a chang. A malevolent spirit whose only goal is to make sure more people get eaten by tigers. A goal which they accomplish by cursing people to transform into man-eating tigers. Which inevitably results in more Changs. Which results in more were-tigers. And on and on in a never-ending game of duck-duck-tiger. I can't stress enough that man-eating tigers are not the norm and that tigers deserve more credit. Tigers are complicated creatures, with complicated social rules and vast territories, and rarely they bother with humans at all. But, that being said, when a tiger hunts humans, it's usually because of extenuating circumstances that prevent them from hunting their preferred prey. Take the Champawat Tiger. The Champawat Tiger was a Bengal tiger who, during the last years of the 1800s and up to 1907, switched from hunting normal prey animals to exclusively hunting humans. Her attacks began in a village of Nepal named Rupal. Bengal tigers are thought to hunt most frequently at night, but the tigers hunted exclusively during the day, claiming villagers in broad daylight. Hunters were organized to kill the tigress, but she evaded every hunting party and eventually the lives taken became so numerous that the Nepalese army was called in. The army also failed to stop the tigress, but thanks in part to their large numbers, the Champawat Tiger abandoned her territory for the quieter Kuman district, which was just across the river in India. The tigress set up shop, and the risk of attack became so high that many people refused to leave their homes during the day. The attacks culminated in the death of a 16-year-old girl near the town of Champawat. After the attack, a British hunter named Jim Corbett, who had traveled to the district to hunt the tigress, followed the animal's trail for a day, but was unable to find her. So he returned the next day with over 300 villagers. The hunting party pursued the tigress until around noon, where she was finally brought down by a corvette. She is estimated to have killed 436 people. A post-mortem done on the tigress revealed that on the right side of her mouth, both the upper and lower canine teeth were broken. The top canine almost in half and the lower canine down to the bone. These injuries would have prevented the tigers from hunting her normal prey, as the tiger's preferred method of kill, strangulation, would have necessitated a full set of canines so that she could remain latched to a prey animal's neck. Corbett believed that the distinctive and painful injury was the result of an old gunshot wound. In Chinese culture, the tiger is considered to be the king of beasts. The Chinese character for king, wong, even resembles the pattern often found on a tiger's forehead, with the character being drawn like an uppercase Arabic eye with a line running across the middle horizontally. Tigers are heavily associated with yang, or masculine aspects, and were commonly worshipped as protectors, responsible for warding off evil. In both China and India, mythological figures of importance are often depicted being associated with tigers, or having a tiger mount. This role, as a king, a guardian, and an intermediary for deities, is a large part of the reason that tigers have been attributed with healing properties, and why they face such high pressure from poachers looking to sell their parts as black market cure-alls. The fox, on the other hand, stands in stark contrast to the tiger. The red fox, vulpus vulpus, has been wildly successful, despite losing habitat to humans, and are even included in the list of the world's 100 worst invasive species. Unlike the nine tiger species, whose extant populations number in the hundreds, the red fox exists throughout the entire northern hemisphere, and most recently Australia, where it has become a nuisance species that threatens native mammal and bird populations. In China, where the tiger is held in high esteem to the point of detriment, the fox flourishes and is regarded with suspicion. Largely thanks to the efforts of fox spirits known as Jing. If you've heard of monstrous foxes with multiple tails that possess special powers, this will likely sound familiar. The Huli Jing is a fox spirit that can have up to nine tails. They, like many spirits, can be good or bad, but, like most foxes in mythology, are generally more predisposed toward causing mischief. Like their Japanese counterpart, the Kube no Kitsune, the Jing begins its life as a normal red fox. In both Chinese and Japanese mythology, as we discussed a little bit before in the episode Don't Touch That Dial, there's an idea that the older something gets, the more powerful it becomes. At around 300 AD, the scholar Gyo Pu described the transformation of an ordinary fox into a Hulijing. When a fox is 50 years old, it can transform itself into a woman. When a hundred years old, it becomes a beautiful female or a spirit medium or a less vicious man. Such beings are able to know things at more than a thousand miles distance. They can poison men by sorcery or possess and bewilder them so that they lose their memory and knowledge. And when a fox is a thousand years old, it ascends to heaven and becomes a celestial fox. This thousand-year-old form was later cemented as the white or gold nine-tailed fox often associated with the Huli Jing, the divine form where the Huli Jing gets in trouble is in that middle stage. This is because of all the forms it could take, young or old, elderly man or middle-aged woman the Jing most often takes the form of a young woman. Or, if transformation is too much of a pain, it simply possesses a young woman. These often beautiful young women are the fox spirit's number one trick of the trade, as malignant fox spirits use these forms to seduce men and either steal their essence, cause them to be unfaithful, or bring about their ruin. But the character of the Huli Jing, as I mentioned before, is complicated. Huli Jing can steal human essence in fox form by stealing a person's breath while they slept. So they don't necessarily have to transform to cause mischief. Many just seem to like to deceive humans. Benevolent fox spirits may even take the form of a young person for love and prove to be a faithful spouse. This uncertainty, though, has ultimately led to the perception of the Huli Jing as a creature to be regarded with some prejudice. And if a person is revealed, such as through the accidental revealing of ears or a tail, to be a fox, the general rule of thumb is that they have to be chased off or killed, lest they bring ruin. This association of the Huli Jing with mischief and beautiful young women has unfortunately led to some negative associations with young women who seduce married men. If a man can be seduced away that easily, though, perhaps she's just doing you a favor. In Japan, the kitsune is regarded much more favorably. Kitsune simply means fox in Japanese but it's often used in the context of a fox that has become old enough that it has multiple tails or supernatural powers. Foxes are associated with the goddess Inari, the Shinto deity of rice and prosperity, and are worshipped in their own right by people hoping to petition them on the goddess's behalf. Foxes are generally considered to be good luck, but with the caveat that good luck may mean different things to different people. For example, a family of kitsune may, over generations, become attached to a certain household, and if the household has their favor, they may ensure that household's prosperity by bringing wealth to the household. However, this doesn't mean that they won't steal from other households to get that wealth. Some light theft between neighbors, though, still falls under the purview of the good kitsune or the Zenko foxes that serve in Ari. Generally, even if the means are suspect, Zenko foxes will act favorably towards humans, and sometimes appear as scholars or priests to spread wisdom, or deliver messages to rulers. The kitsune you really don't want to run into are the Yako, as these kitsune are generally uninterested in humanity's well-being. In their spare time, Yakko foxes enjoy stealing, ruining reputations, and luring travelers into the swamps via foxfire. Often, in stories of Yakko, the human being being tricked by the fox is someone of low moral fiber, but the Yakko are just as likely to go after the innocent as they are the unsavory. As with the were-tigers mentioned earlier, Some people have been known to suffer from a culture-bound syndrome known as Kitsune-suki, where the person afflicted believes they have been possessed by a fox. Stories of Kitsune possession, especially of young women, are prevalent throughout Japanese folklore, and symptoms may include running naked through the streets, yipping like a fox, listlessness, restlessness, unwillingness to make eye contact, and cravings for rice Tofu, or sweet adzuki beans. That's it this week for Cats and Canines. I hope you learned a little bit about the predators lurking on our doorsteps. And if you're hungry for more, as always, offerings are in the show notes. Intro and outro music, as well as musical score, were done by Ware Tiger and Kitsune Scott Effington. Find more music to prowl the village farm to at Bazooka raccoon on soundcloud.com. Finally, if you like what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes, or consider donating to our Patreon. Every little bit helps, and more support means I'm more motivated to do the best job I can to bring you more monsters. Thank you for listening, and remember, anyone can be a monster!